Good morning, Bucknutters. Welcome to the Bucknuts Morning 5 here on Monday, March 27th, 2023. I am Dave Biddle flying solo on today's show. I'm a little under the weather, so bear with me. But the Sudafed's starting to kick in, so I should be fine. We're going to talk about Ohio State scrimmage this past Saturday. Awesome being out there. The entire scrimmage, the entire practice was open to the media. And then they finished with a 39-play scrimmage. And I'll get into details about that. And then I'm going to take a few questions. I put a uh, thread on the front row message board. Some Bucknut subscribers had some questions, so I'm going to answer some of those questions. Let's start with the scrimmage. The offense edged the defense, and that was for the entire practice. They edged the defense, and then during the scrimmage itself, they edged the defense. It was it was pretty back and forth, though. Early on, I thought Kyle McCord struggled. Not that he was bad. And then he really turned it on and played well. Like If he plays like he did the second half of that scrimmage, like – the Buckeyes aren't going to be fine at quarterback. They're going to be more than fine. They're going to be really, really good. I'm not saying he's going to step in and be like C.J. Stroud right away, but, I mean, it's been one after another. I mean, it's not like C.J. Stroud was the only great quarterback to come through here. So, I mean, since Dwayne Haskins, you know, and then you have Justin Fields. So, I mean, maybe Kyle McCord's next in line there. We'll see. I mean, he, he looked that good the second half of the scrimmage, but he was shaky a little bit early, um, and including in the practice. There was one point I was talking to some of my reporter friends, including Patrick Murphy, who works for Bucknuts, of course. And we're like, Tristan Gebbia looks better than the other two quarterbacks. But that was just, that was not during the scrimmage. Gebbia is the seventh year senior transfer from Oregon State. He's he's just here for depth and he's going to get into coaching next year. So um, here, he's here just a, in case of emergency. So, but I thought Kyle McCord really stepped up that second half of the scrimmage. That, that shows you a lot, you know, that he's able to bounce. And, and again, I want to I stress, it wasn't like he was playing poorly the first half of the scrimmage. It just was kind of like, Nothing really stood out that made you think, oh, they're going to be like a dangerous offense again with this guy. Like then it looked like, oh, they're going to be a dangerous offense with this guy. So we'll see about that. Um, the other really interesting thing so far in spring, I don't know if people are talking about it enough, is Carson Hensman is the starting center. I mean, they're not going to declare that. Justin Fry, I mean, he's he's a cool guy, but, man, he's not going to tell you anything about depth charts. I mean, why would you if you're a coach, right? You want the competition. But I don't think it's a close competition between Carson Hensman and Vic Cutler. We thought it would be. I don't think it is. Carson Hinsman took all of his reps with the first team. Vic Cutler took all of his reps with the second team. So the real interesting battle on the offensive line, we thought there were two interesting battles, center and right tackle. Right tackle is the interesting battle. Zen Mahalski, third-year sophomore. Tegra Shabola, redshirt freshman. Two massive young men, especially Tegra. I mean, Tegra's an inch shorter than Zen. Zen's 6'7", Tegra's 6'6", but Tegra's just, man, he looks like straight out of central casting for a right tackle. So that's going to be a good battle. Whoever loses that battle will be the de facto Backup left tackle, too. Uh, right now, George Fitzpatrick is repping. The redshirt freshman is repping at left tackle. I thought he actually you know, fared pretty well. But I think whoever loses that battle at right tackle will be the guy that goes into the jumbo sets. We've seen the last few years, Donovan Jackson and then Josh Fryer last year. Um, and we'll see. I think that's a battle that's going to go into camp. I don't have a good feel for it. Um, I thought they both had their, their moments. Uh, I thought they had their moments where they got beat. And I thought they had their moments where they looked really good. Um, so we'll see what happens. Interestingly... Zen was usually going first during like team drills before the scrimmage stuff started. And then Tegra got most of the reps with the ones during the scrimmage. And I don't know, as I put in my practice report right after the practice on Saturday on Bucknuts, I don't know if that indicates that Zen, or excuse me, that Tegra is now ahead of Zen, or if they just wanted to get Tegra more reps with the ones. So again, anything in spring, take with a, a grain of salt because spring ball, right? I mean, the, the, for example, the starting safeties they had out there, I don't think will be the starting safeties. I don't think there's any way Jihad Carter transferred here, um, you know, to be a second teamer. Not that they promised him anything, but he's out, he's also a really good player. Like, if you know any Syracuse fans, they were upset that he left. Um, 
So Jihad Carter is going to be a starter. He was out there running with the twos. I think there's no doubt Sonny Styles is going to be a starter. He was running with the twos. So we'll see. I mean, Lathan Ransom looked pretty good. Um, and Josh Proctor was out there with the ones. So it was Lathan Ransom, Josh Proctor, and Cam Martinez ran with the ones. And Cam Martinez actually looked pretty good. I thought he struggled last year um, in games, but uh, maybe maybe the light's coming on for him. So nothing against him. But first of all, you got to get Sonny Styles in there over Josh Proctor. I mean, that's just – I mean – but I, I get it. Proctor's a sixth-year senior. Sonny Styles is second-year guy. They're not just going to hand him the job. But, I mean, they better give him the job in fall and stop messing around. But that's a classic case of spring depth charts um, gone wild. Like, don't pay any attention to him. Those guys are the three starting uh, safeties. I'll be shocked. Because, again, Jihad Carter. And Kai Stokes is going to be in the mix, too. He was also running with the twos at safety. I think the second-team safeties look better than the first-team safeties. And the first-team safeties didn't even look bad. So that, look for that to get shifted around. I thought both starting defensive tackles, I shouldn't say starting, because who knows? As soon as I say that, Larry Johnson will have uh, Ty Hamilton in there as a starter. But I was pleased to see that to start the scrimmage, and for most of the time with the ones, it was Mike Hall and Tyleek Williams. There's no doubt Mike Hall is going to be a starter. But I was wondering, are they going to seriously start like Ty Hamilton over Tyleek Williams? Um, doesn't look like they are. Now, Ty, Ty Hamilton's going to play a lot of football. He's going to be the number three D tackle. And it's good that he's around. You need depth. Uh, but I hope Larry Johnson pairs that that rotation down a little bit. I mean, there's a reason they're working out with Mickey Marotti um, like they are. Is, I mean, I get it. If you're gassed, you need to come out. But if you're not gassed, I like, I, I like Brian Hartline's philosophy here. And I'm going to get to that in a moment when I answer questions. Brian Hartline's philosophy is if you're a starter, you're a starter for a reason. And if I'm going to take Marvin Harrison Jr. off the field for you, you better be at least as good as him. If I'm going to take Mecca Buka off the field for you, you better be at least as good as him. Or why am I taking him off the field for you? So Larry Johnson doesn't really seem to have that, that uh, mantra, to say the least. So maybe Ryan Day, who's now working more, more with the defense, it's kind of weird at practice seeing him mosey down with the defense. Sometimes you, you, my first instinct is, is he lost? Oh, yeah, he's actually trying to work with more of the defense because he's always just been with the offense. Um, but I thought both uh, first-team defensive tackles played well. Tyleek Williams and Mike Hall, I'm really excited about those guys. Um, good day for Jack Sawyer as well. I think he's been much maligned. He was a little bit out of position last year, but um, – I thought Jack Sawyer played well. And, of course, JT Tumalowal was the other um, starting defensive end. I thought he had his good moments as well. The defensive guy that really was the star of the show was Steel Chambers. Tommy Eichenberg, of course, is missing spring. Um, so that meant Cody Simon was out there with the ones at Mike Linebacker. But Steel Chambers, man, he he had like in the scrimmage. He only had 39 plays in the scrimmage. It's not like he, he only played like half the, the scrimmage snaps because they're getting the twos out there as well. Uh, so what? Maybe he had like 18 snaps. He had like three pass breakups and a sack. You know, and, and some and some tackles. I mean, it wasn't quite like when Mike Hall had like uh, what do you have like two and a half sacks and a tackle for loss and like five snaps last year when he was he had that shoulder, but they were just getting him in there on third down and he was still, you know, so productive even though he had like you know single digit snaps. So Steel Chambers, big day. All right, I want to get to some of the questions. And by the way, that was just we're going to get a chance to see them scrimmage again this Saturday. That was so cool being out there and just seeing real Buckeye football. So, all right, let's get to some of these questions from subscribers. First one, this is from Slim Kid. I'm not going to take many on recruiting, but I'm going to take this one because a couple of different people asked about this. Slim Kid basically wants to know if um, James Peoples, the running back from Texas, is now the number one running back target for Ohio State. And Slim Kid also laments the fact that they're not – Ohio State doesn't seem to have that connection with St. Thomas Aquinas that they used to. And he makes a good point, like the Bosa brothers. Ohio State turned Damon Arnett into a first-round pick. There's been other kids from St. Thomas Aquinas. Right now there's not a – St. Thomas Aquinas kid on the roster. Um, I'm just guessing here, Slim Kid and others who asked about this. Um, I think that um, 
the St. Thomas Aquinas thing might be as simple as it was always hard to get kids out of Florida, right? Especially South Florida. And now it's going to be tougher with NIL and Miami's throwing all kinds of money at these guys. So, um, you know, a lot more pool to stay home. And I think Ohio state is, is doing a better and better job with NIL. We're not going to get into that. There's too much to get into that. That can be a show on its own, but um, there's some good things on the horizon with NIL. I'll just say that I'm, I've, I've heard some good things. I, I probably already said too much, but there's some good things on the horizon on the NIL front for Ohio state, but I'm just guessing on St. Thomas Aquinas. It was always, always tough to pull top kids out of South Florida. Now to me, it's tougher. And Mark Antonio will be the first one to tell you that. Now, the other part of your question, other people ask this as well, uh, is James Peoples the number one target at running back? Only Tony Olford and Ryan Day could really answer that question. But I think he probably is. And I, I feel good that he's going to be a Buckeye, and I really like him. Give me, give me Texas running backs, man. I like that. I like this kid. You know, not a big kid. But I mean, he's ranked as the number five running back in the country, number 94 player in the country. We're a little higher on him, 24-7 sports than other. We have him as his number 69 overall player in the country. Uh, splitting here is really everybody has him as a top 100 kid pretty much. Uh, we have him as number 69 in the country out of San Antonio, 5'10", 192 right now. You know, still a junior in high school. You got to think he's going to easily get over 200 pounds, 205, and not lose his speed and quickness. I like his film against top competition. Now, Oklahoma's in on him. Texas is in on him. Um, so it could be an interesting battle, but I like where Ohio State stands with him. I do think they'll get him. And that's another question we had. Uh, Mike Hauser asked, do you think we'll get Peoples? Yeah, I do think they'll get Peoples. He also asked about Air Noland, the quarterback. It's tough. I mean, I think if Ohio State wants him, they'll get him. They haven't even offered him yet. They have not even offered him a scholarship yet. So I don't know. You would think by now if they really wanted him, they would offer him a scholarship. So, oh, I should have mentioned, I should go back. I should mention Devin Brown. Devin Brown was solid in the scrimmage. I don't think he played exceptionally well um but i meant to say this i'll, I'll just i'll be very surprised if common core not the starter like borderline shocked and devin brown didn't play poorly but the added year of experience just the way he stepped up the second half of the scrimmage he was going first during you know most of the drills before the scrimmage um you add it all up i'll be very very surprised if common core not trotting out there as a starter for the opener at indiana and i think he'll keep the job all year unless and play well unless he gets hurt so i want to get back to that but they haven't even offered Aaron Nolan yet, getting back to the question from Mike Hauser. So I don't know. I mean, he's a talented kid, but I would think if they wanted him, they would have offered him by now. So, all right, next up on the ledger. Okay, this is what I was talking about earlier. This is from Legal Alien. Will Jaden Ballard get some run this year? Will Hartline avoid a Jamison Williams situation going forward? Sorry, my mouth is dry as heck it's from all these... Uh, pain medications and uh, cold medications that I'm on. Jeez. Um, well, Ballard gets some run this year. I, I would love to say yes. He looked good at the scrimmage. They start the scrimmage off with a 50-yard bomb for a touchdown from McCord to Ballard on a double move. Here's the thing. What did I just say about Brian Hartline? And what, what has Brian Hartline proven since he's been here? If you're fifth on the depth chart, you're probably not playing much. So right now you look at it, who's ahead of Jaden Ballard? Obviously, Marvin Harrison Jr. is ahead of him. Emeka Ibuka is not practicing during spring, but he's ahead of him, obviously. I don't think we talk enough about Emeka. His numbers were great last year, too. Not that we should talk about Marvin Harrison Jr. as much as we do. I mean, he's he, as Joel Klatt has said, he could be the best wide receiver in the NFL here in a few years. That's how good he is. Like, he's not just really good. He's special. But Emeka's really good, too. And then, if you're Jaden Ballard, you also have Julian Fleming ahead of you. And even though they don't really play the same position, so this doesn't really count, I guess, but it kind of does. Xavier Johnson's ahead of you. So you're fifth, really. 
in the pecking order at wide receiver unless something changes. Now, if Fleming gets hurt, that could be Ballard's role then. My point is, unless he outperforms Fleming, I don't think there's any way he's going to outperform Harrison or Ibuka, or Fleming gets hurt, that's the way that Ballard's going to play. If he outplays Fleming, beats him out, which I think that's going to be really tough for him to do, or Fleming gets hurt. I don't see Ballard having a big role this year. I mean, Jamison Williams is a perfect example. Yeah, he was good and very good, obviously. But, like, they weren't—they didn't want to take Garrett Wilson off the field for him. They didn't want to take Chris Olave off the field for him. And they didn't. So, and Jamison Williams, you could say, is definitely better than Jaden Ballard. I mean, the story hasn't been written on Ballard yet, but is he going to, like, you know, be one of the top wide receivers in the nation like Jamison was at Alabama and be a first-round pick? I mean, probably not. So, I like the kid. I love the he, I love his speed. I love that he's on the roster. I'm just being real. If I sat here and told you I think the number five receiver is going to play a lot this year, I'd be lying to you. So no. <laughs> Brave Shark 1980. Snickers or Milky Way? Which one is better? <laughs> uh, I, I like these type of questions. What's funny is as a kid, the little kid, I think Milky Way was like my favorite candy bar, at least one of my favorites. Now and I didn't really like Snickers that much. Now I prefer Snickers over Milky Way. You know, I don't know. Taste change as you get older. I prefer a nice Snickers over Milky Way now. Oh, I like this one. I like that one too. I like all these questions. That one, Snickers or Milky Way was from Brave Shark 1980. By the way, if you want to know the most underrated candy bar, in my opinion, whatchamacallit. There you go. Public service announcement, whatchamacallit. I think it's so underrated. Okay, this question I really like. This is from Deegs. Deegs. D-E-E-G-S-H. Deegs. Okay, do I ever see fights at practice? Not real fights, but football fights. They happen all the time in the NFL training camps, and I wonder if this happens at the Woody. Yes, I've seen fights. Yes, nothing like terrible. Um, oh, who was the guy that – oh, I think it was a Damon Arnett punched a guy in practice once. Um, the kid wasn't wearing his helmet. It was a wide receiver. I can't remember who it was now. It was a tall kid, and I, I think Damon Arnett punched him in the face. <laughs> So, and, you know, I've covered the team for a long time. Yes, I've seen fights. Nothing crazy. The Damon Arnett thing might have been the craziest that I've seen. There's also been talks of, like, you know, practices we haven't been at where people have told me, like, skirmish. Of course, skirmishes are going to break out. But, like, guys throwing punches when guys have their helmet off is pretty rare. That's why that one stands out. I'm probably forgetting some. But, yeah, I mean, um, most of the time it's just skirmishes, though. It's not really fist fights. And by the way, if, if a guy has his helmet on and you throw a punch at him, that's the dumbest thing you can do. All you're going to do is break your hands. I think football – Players that do that are so stupid. It always makes me laugh. Like, wait till the guy takes his helmet off to punch him. No, I'm not not endorsing violence here on the Bucknuts Morning 5, as far as you guys know. Seth Buckeye, is this Larry Johnson's last year? Let us know your opinion or if he, you are hearing any insider information. Seth Buckeye, I heard last year it was going to be his last year. And I was told that by somebody I really trust. I don't know what changed. So, do I think it's his last year? Yes. Have I heard that for sure? No. I'm still mad at the person. No, I'm not mad at him. So, I'm mad at the person that told me that Larry was going to hang it up. I think that was the plan, and then it changed. You know, plans change, as we all know, in every facet of life. Do I think this is Larry Johnson's last year? Yes. This will be year 10 for him at Ohio State. Not that he needs money, but this, now he qualifies for retirement benefits in Ohio after being, you know, working for Ohio State for 10 years. Um I think this will be his final year. Yes, I do. Um, what's interesting, though, you know, you talk to these young guys on the team, like Kenyatta Jackson, who I thought had a good scrimmage, by the way. I should have mentioned him. Amari Abor, um, who's coming on as well. 
I didn't talk to Caden Curry at Media Day down at, at the at uh, the Peach Bowl, but I talked to all these guys. Um, oh, Hero Canoe running with the twos, looking good, big guy out there running with the twos, rotating in with Jaden McKenzie. So all of these guys, Hero Canoe, uh, Kenyatta Jackson, and Amari Abor. I mentioned this one other time on the show. I asked them all the same question. Um, what's the biggest reason you came to Ohio State? You were a big-time recruit. What's the biggest reason you came to Ohio State? All three of them said Larry Johnson. It wasn't like, well, this and this and, you know, Larry Johnson was a big factor, too. The number one reason they all picked Ohio State was Larry Johnson. So that gives you a little pause, right? Um, if it is LJ's last year, it's easy to say, well, he's now not coaching the guys up enough. Maybe the production's not where it needs to be. But, like, I don't know. I mean, still the defensive line's never been the weakness of this team. I'll say that. And he recruits his butt off. So, but, yeah, I do think it's his last year because I was told that going into, you know, at, late last year that it was going to be his last year. So, all right, Buckeye Mo Flow. Buckeye Mo Flow. Who do I expect will have a better year? The secondary, the D line, or the O line? I'm actually more bullish on the secondary than than most people probably. Like I really like the corners, top four corners especially. Uh, Denzel Burke looked really good at the scrimmage. Like you can see why he's getting buzz. Um, Jordan Hancock didn't have a good scrimmage, but I I, I think David Davison Igbenosin is going to be a starter. It's another like j- just like Jihad Carter, Davison Igbenosin, who was running with the twos. Um, along with Jair Brown, who always looks good to me. David Ig- Davison Igbenosin didn't come here to be a, a backup. There's no way. He'll be a starter. And Jordan Hancock better watch out. Now, they'll play more than two corners. Um, so if you're the number three corner, you're still going to play a lot. But I, I think the starting corners will probably be Denzel Burke and Davison Igbenosin. And I like the safeties. They're very deep at safety. So I like the secondary. That being said, to answer your question, secondary D-line or O-line, D-line. I expect the D-line to have the best year of those three position groups. Um, I like these four juniors the four juniors the third year guys are all going to be starters theoretically you know down the line going left to right jt tumolo mike hall tyleek williams jack sawyer love that and then was thinking that maybe the depth's not really good but now kenyatta jackson stepping up at defensive end i like caden curry a lot at defensive end you got amari abor at defensive end if amari if amari abor is your fifth d end you're looking really good. And then the, it's not just he's fifth. He's got high talent ahead of him. I and mean, he's high talent. So I really like defensive end. Could use a little more depth at D tackle. But as long as Hero Canoe steps up as a redshirt freshman and he's looking good, they'll be more than fine there because they need to stay healthy. They don't have a ton of depth there. But I, I definitely think the defensive line is going to be the strength um, compared to those other two units because, you know, even at D tackle, you have Hero Canoe as a backup. You have Ty Hamilton as a backup. You have Jaden McKenzie as a backup. Um, then you have the big kid, uh, McDonald, coming in as a true freshman who's you know a real defensive tackle, 330 pounds. I love that. You guys know I like my big D tackles. I don't know why. It's one thing about Larry Johnson. I, I, I don't know why. I watch a lot of football. I'll give one example. You guys know I'm a Bengals fan. DJ Reader is 350 pounds at nose tackle, and he just wrecks the line of scrimmage a lot. And I, I just feel like a big D tackle that can move. They just they affect the game so much, and I don't know why Ohio State has so many undersized D tackles. Although now – these guys are bigger. Tyleek Williams is an undersized. Hero Canoe is an undersized. And Mike Hall is undersized, but he's got more of that. I'm not saying he's Aaron Donald. But he's got more of that Aaron Donald type where it doesn't matter that he's undersized because he's so strong, so quick, so tough. Um, you need those guys too. You know, Geno Atkins is type. Those guys are short, quick, penetrate. But I like those big 330-pound, 350-pound D tackles. As long as they're, you know, they can move, they're not like completely out of shape. So... All right, moving right along. We've got a couple more to get here. Actually, just one more to get to. This is from Fox R 2001 I said I wasn't going to take too many questions on recruiting, but I like this question. What are my views of 2024 recruiting up to this point? We 
We have some offers out for top talent, but it looks like we are lowering, lowering the bar too. Is this just a result of not going after kids who demand NIL? Or is, there, is there something more to it? Like trying to not compete against schools we know we can beat. All right, end of question. I don't think it's the latter. I don't think they're just trying not, I don't think they're throwing their hands up and being like, oh, we can't compete with Alabama and Georgia. I do. I definitely think NIL is a huge factor here. Why do I think that? Why well, know it? Because Mark Pantone said it. <laughs> like he made it crystal clear. Like in Mark Pantone's MO is to go for the best of the best, no matter what. Um, but that changed last year. They wasted a lot of time on kids that frankly they had in the bag. Weird way for me to put that. Um, but uh, it's not really even a bag man anymore. It's it's above board pretty much. I mean, NCAA, we'll see if the NCAA ever cracks down on NIL, but I think it is NIL related because Pantone said that himself. He said they're going to be more regional, you know, and that raised eyebrows. Now, they're still, as you mentioned, they're still going to go out. They have offers out to a lot of top guys. It's not like they're going to start recruiting like they're Purdue or something. But, um, yeah, I mean, I mean, maybe the days of, of fighting for that number one overall class, which they never got, but they were like, there was somewhere they should have got it. Like 2013, they should have been the number one class. They finished second. 2017, you rank. If you re-rank that class, the highest state's number one class in the country, they finished second. So there's been some times where even though they didn't finish first, I kind of felt like they had the best class in the nation, and then it proved it out with the way they played. I mean, that two, that 2013 class was really the crux of the national championship team in 2014 as sophomores, super sophomores too. So maybe the days of Ohio State being second or third nationally in recruiting rankings – is over for right now. But I, again, there's some good things coming on the NIL front. So not forever, maybe for now, we've got to maybe change our expectations from top two to three to maybe top five to six. Certainly not falling out of the top 10, certainly not falling behind anybody in the big 10 or anybody in the Midwest. Um, and certainly not falling. Um, and that includes USC now, by the way, because these recruits that they're recruiting right now will be freshmen when USC joins the big 10. So that's another one you got to stay ahead of and they're doing well. So you got to stay ahead of the Big Ten. You got to be top 10 and closer to five than 10. Um, and I think that, that they can still be a very, very good program, an excellent program and compete for national championships if they do that. Um, a lot of times you're splitting hairs between the third best class in the country and the sixth best class. You're not really splitting hairs if you have the number one class or number two class compared to like the number nine class. So we'll see how it plays out. But I definitely know NIL is a factor because Mark Pantone flat out said, you know, and we had heard this from sources. I didn't think uh, Mark would be as – I really like Mark Cantone. He's a good guy and obviously great at what he does. I love that he has the title of general manager now. Um, but I was kind of, you know, surprised uh, at his candor talking about it, you know. and But I had heard that from sources. That, man, they had these two – at least two to three, maybe four kids in the bag that they spent a lot of time on that they 100% thought were going to sign with them. And then because of NIL, they lost out on them. And, yeah, I think if a kid – they said if a kid makes it clear that NIL is his number one priority, that's a kid that's not going to fit here. Now, to be clear, NIL is important to every recruit, okay? it's But where does it fall in the pecking order? Is it your number one priority? That's a problem. Is it your number three priority or so? We can work with that. You know, what they're, what they're avoiding is the kids that are making it clear, either by just saying it or you find out through their actions or back channels. Some kids will just flat out tell you. If NIL is their number one concern – they're not going to go after them because they're going to, you know, they're not going to waste all this time and have somebody swoop in and buy one of these kids. So, so there you go. All right. I'm going to take some more cold medicine and headache medicine and take a nap probably, but um, appreciate you guys riding with me. I was planning on doing kind of a short show, but you know me, I'm, I'm long winded. This is by no means a short show, but appreciate you guys joining me. I am Dave Biddle 
And uh, keep it locked to Bucknuts. We're going to have a ton of coverage this week. Buckeyes have practice six tomorrow. Then they have practice seven on Thursday. And then we'll be out there for Student Appreciation Day when they're going to be scrimmaging on Saturday, going live again. So that's going to be a great big day on the Buckeye football beat. Thanks to all of you. Really appreciate it. Hope everyone has a great day. Mm -hmm.